0: Uh, hello everyone. Welcome to um, uh, the office. <laughs> this is the home office. Uh, don't worry about this. Sound okay? Good stuff. Um, oh crikey! I'm looking at my own mug. So this is a new. This is a new thing. So um, we'll see how this goes. Is the sound quality all right? Give me a thumbs up if it's all right. Good stuff. Um, have you 23 people following? What I'm going to try and do is keep an eye on any queries coming in from Periscope uh let's have a look uh so point of today oh crikey that's uh, changing a lot um the point of today or this evening is to go through and answer any queries you have on what the point of hs2 is is it happening why is it overpriced is it too cheap you know should we be building more extra lines along it why is it two tracks not four tracks all these things um, as many queries as you can think of um is it dreadful for the environment? Uh, is the 120 year carbon return period nonsense or is it proof the line shouldn't go ahead? Chuck me your questions and I'll do my very best to answer them. Um, and I've got to me two screens either side of me. I've got two screens here either side of me. So I'm going to try and provide reasonably well informed answers. We'll see. Um, I've got uh, I've got my, got my cup of tea. There, uh, cup of tea. And I've got. Uh, two tonnex caramel wafers, so I, I should have enough blood sugar to keep me going. Um, send me questions, uh, so uh, and if you don't send questions, I'll just end up whittering on, which will be rubbish, so the more questions you send me, the better. Um, let's have a look here, if I go... So while you send um, these... Oh, send you questions. questions, let's just uh, mute that, that's my own voice, which is no good to anyone. Um, live, good. Yeah, so if I've got that up there, hopefully comments up here, and I can answer them. Ah, right. Here we go. First question uh, from Tech Priest. If you exclude the cost of uh, the rolling stock and the stations, does HS two seem competitively priced? Um, good question. So, if you exclude, just looking at phase one, because phase two is is still uh, a bit woolly in terms of uh, the overall price, it's it's not got as much detail. But just looking at phase one, uh, if I was over here, uh, I can tell you exactly what the different prices are. So. In fact, wait just a sec, this is live after all. In your latest copy of Rail Magazine, which you should have all got hold of, um, you will see a reference to some costs for a couple of different projects. I've just watched myself run off. There's a bit of a delay uh, on this computer, so that's fine. So you're see- maybe seeing things 15 seconds behind reality uh, meta. Um, so for a comparison, uh, I picked out and pulled out basically the costs, in fact, I can get, even get the spreadsheet. So this, this is like interactive, so I'm going to be pulling out spreadsheets left, right and centre as well. Um, so if I go to, let's have a look, just my writing, but I'm going to turn that right down. If I go to my own folder here, um, basically, if you pull out the costs, HS2, at the costs of stations and of um, the rolling stock, you end up with a cost per mile ish of um, of around about what is it, 170 million um, pounds? Um, that's in 2019 prices. And don't get me wrong, that's a lot of money. But if you compare that, for example, to um, uh, HSL Zuid in uh, the Netherlands, uh, that cost around about 109 million pounds per mile. And if you look at uh, the, the, um, one of the kind of main high speed lines, uh, in South Korea, the cost for that was 200 million pounds per mile. Uh, and both of those projects generally excluded stations. So actually, if you consider, um, if you consider kind of comparable projects, actually HS2 is not crazily overpriced. Um, yeah. So that was quite, I need to be quicker answering questions. We've got four already. Um, hi, Gareth. This is a, a good one. This is from Lady Macbeth. Uh, Hi Gareth, do you understand why people on the left are hesitant about HS two? Um, yes, there are lots of reasons for this. One of them is about spending money um, unduly, which we shouldn't be. As the left, I'm, I'm a uh, socialist myself. Uh, I, I uh, would suggest that you um, that we have to think beyond uh, spending taxpayers' money, as, as is often and said. The reality is that HS two is not spending uh, a pot of money that has a label on it that we can take off and put another project's name on it. Actually, um, the way that uh, investing in infrastructure works is that you can do as much of it as you can limited only by the risk of causing massive inflation um, and also by the resources to actually deliver it such as time and engineers uh, of which we're short of both which is why hs2 is actually a very good uh, way to spend that kind of to, to make that investment because it's one line giving you a massive uh, railway upgrade on four railway lines so in terms of the money side of it um, there's there's not really a left-wing case to say the money should be spent elsewhere that's, that's buying into george osborne's neoliberalism um, uh, sorry to everyone here who's not new, who doesn't buy into that theory of uh, anyway, don't worry about that other point, environmentalism uh, and the need for climate con- uh, the, the kind of rapid onset of, of uh, heating climate as a result of man-made uh, activities, humankind's activities, actually it's basically men, let's face it um, HS2 is a fundamental part of uh, reducing the UK's greenhouse gas emissions uh, and that's including the fairly substantial carbon emissions from its construction. The key thing so so the the key thing that's being emitted by a lot of green groups, particularly the Green Party themselves, uh, who oppose HS2 vehemently uh, despite actually being pro high-speed rail, I'll point out, which is a totally contradictory position because high-speed rail uh, HS2 is what you get after 10 years of developing high-speed rail network for the UK. Anyway, um Unfortunately, the case has just not been made, and this causes a lot of problems. The case has not been made about what HS2 is for, which is about the existing railway network. You'll see i will post this all over the, all over the place. Um, yes, yeah, so there are lots of Green Party people who are pro-HS2. Someone just pinged up there. Um, but uh, that, that case about the existing railway network just hasn't been made. And the reason for that is partly because it's outside of HS2's remit. They're an arms-length government body. Their remit is to build HS2. Their remit is not to define franchise strategies in 20 years' time. Uh, that's the DFT's job, and one they uh, do not like doing. Uh, in fact, any sort of any sign that they uh, pers- could be perceived as meddling in franchising, despite them basically controlling the whole thing anyway, um, is not politically palatable. Certainly for the current administration uh, that we've had for the last ten years. Um, so yeah, I do un- hopefully do understand the case, given that I, um, yeah, I- I'm on that uh, on that spec- that's kind of side of the political spectrum can we get close to an estimate of how much ancient woodland would be lost by HS2's construction? Um, you can get beyond uh, an estimate, uh, certainly for phase for phase one, which is reasonably well-designed, uh, kind of well-advanced in its design, not quite a detailed design yet, but reasonably well-advanced, um, is uh, you can the, the, they've published all the details of the impacts on ancient woodland. You can find it themselves as a thread that's really good that HS2 did, that goes into those details, uh, talks about the impact. An important thing to understand yet. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Ancient the impact on ancient woodland, and in fact, more importantly, on lots of other um, types of uh, ancient woodland gets picked on. I don't know why, particularly because it, as, as a specific designation, it's not that it's not necessarily that um, important from a biodiversity perspective. Um, semi-natural ancient woodland um, is uh, plantation uh, wo- ancient woodland, which is ancient woodland that existed on a map but has been subsequently replaced or. You know, particularly around the Chilterns, actually, there's a reasonable amount that doesn't have quite the level of uh, biodiversity value that, that you see in other other ancient woodland areas. But anyway, things like special areas of conservation and um, SIs and general local habitat areas that are protected or are undergoing kind of rejuvenation need to be protected as much as possible. But HS2 does that. It does protect them as much as possible. I did a thread... And talk about this in, in my city metric piece, that if you look at the route, it threads and weaves its way through a lot of ancient woodland on all these different sites, very successfully. Um, uh, so anyway, in terms of answering your question, you can find those numbers on HS2's, on various HS2 reports. Um, uh, and what proportion of the UK's ancient woodland would that represent? Um, it's something like, uh, it's less than one ten thousandth of the UK's ancient woodland, so it's tiny. That doesn't diminish the importance of minimising it even further, but frankly, it's tiny. I'm not going to draw uh, comparisons between projects as I have done in the past, because um, I might get told off, but you can go in and have a look at all of the £28 billion worth of road projects that are being proposed at the moment, and the level of distru- environmental destruction is huge on those, huge compared to HS2. Uh, is there a plan to get all up to Houston? Lots saying it's unachievable. Uh, it's not, it's just the political cowardice is making, is put that up in the air and suggesting that it's a good idea to kind of play with that. Uh, the, uh, the report, so the OKRV's report, which has been in the process of being vaguely published, uh, it's supposed to come out this week, I think, um, goes into detail about Euston and the connection between Old Oak Common, which is a terminus just, it, which is, sorry, the, um, intermediate station just outside, uh, kind of, well, it's at Old Oak Common, it's the intersection of HS2 and the Great Western Main line so that's Crossrail as well, of course, and it's a key, that station is key for connecting to Heathrow um, which helps to minimise the need for, well, ideally, eviscerate the need for any domestic flights whatsoever. Um, so that station is very important, but so too is Euston as a terminus, because without that, you flood, firstly, you just make the, the, the HS2 becomes not nearly as useful um, if you get rid of that terminus in, in the middle of London-ish. Uh, but also, that fundamentally, Euston, St. Pancras, and King's Cross, are, are, particularly with Crossrail 2 eventually, you're going to become one, basically one station. Crossrail 2 will actually connect the two up. It'll sit halfway, one entrance at one, at Euston, the other entrance at St Pancras, King's Cross and Pancras, become one station. Um, that is, the, 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 you cannot platform trains. When you, you have the design of Euston, the new design of Euston, platforms lots of trains in a certain way that's very well optimised. The flying junction just outside of Euston is an absolutely wonderfully elegant combination of operations and permanent way design to optimise trains coming in and out and not getting in each other's way, which is what happens at, all, at, at most Kind of conventional um major termini uh king's cross for example at the moment is having a massive upgrade to try and to, to reopen extra lines um so uh it's vital that work goes ahead but it's been designed the design process of going ahead of course it's expensive uh, city approaches are always expensive but it's necessary the houston station upgrade is a project that would have to happen anyway independent of uh, if hs2 went ahead so designing it to be wound to be kind of plugged into hs2 is a no-brainer uh, do, 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 do do is there a plan to get all the? yep done that um, sorry if I forget to read your names uh, do you think so this is from the, uh, the Glass essay do you think it would look different, better, less expensive if trains were renationalised um, to be honest it would make no difference uh, independent of who owns train operating companies because it's only train operating companies and the rolling stock operating companies um, that are uh, in private ownership the reality is they're fully controlled by government anyway so it just changes the name on the payslip uh, that the staff of those companies um i'm pro a state-owned state-owned train operators i think it's a it's a good thing i think that the railways are a public service and they should be managed as such but it'll make no difference to fares it'll make no no difference to how reliable the railway is the thing that makes fair that changes fares and reliability is capacity so hs2 is a fundamental part of that by uh, increasing capacity in the railway network not just on the new line but most importantly on the existing railway network more trains means that you um, reduce overcrowding, you reduce, you, you manage demand in such a way that um, fares will reduce. Fares increase when the tra- railway rail is really busy to manage that overcrowding. Um, you can charge, when, you, you know, when you've got a train that's full, you can charge what you like. It doesn't matter because someone will be able to afford it. So by increasing the capacity of the railway network, you allow fares to reduce. Um, without doing so, you'd end up with a hugely overcrowded and unreliable railway. Right, I'm not doing a very good job of going through these because I'm getting so many more questions than I expected. Is this all nice and clear, everyone? Can you all hear? I'm going to have a a sip of tea. Uh, Right, okay, so next one. Um, I've always wondered, would the Edinburgh-Glasgow-Belfast-Dublin corridor be suitable for high-speed rail? That's from Harry C. Main. Why not? Uh, There are lots of parts of Europe that have essentially very rural areas with high-speed rail passing through to allow a... Connection between significant ca- uh, center, kind of urban centers, um, it would be an c- absolutely phenomenal engineering feat. Uh, the thing that you'd have to, from my perspective anyway, the thing that I'd want to see would be at that HS2. From my, I believe it very clearly it shows, uh, very clearly displays its benefits in terms of massive release capacity in the existing railway network. Um, a connection from say Glasgow to Belfast and Dublin, that kind of corridor, would have to. Uh, justify itself in terms of modal shift. It would have to justify... Uh, there'd, there'd have to be enough journeys made by road currently that you'd justify building a new a new link. Um, I think rail links are always a good thing uh, to enhance uh, and ideally minimise the number of people who drive. Uh, freight as well. Um, but you'd have to look at the, the whole equation. So much as I'd love that to be proposed, we have limited resource in terms of engineers like me uh, and like the engineers who are watching this, hopefully. Hello, hello everyone. Um, limited resources then so you have to prioritize things I don't money is not imp- money is not a, a limited resource frankly in this, this situation because if you invest actually get a ret- every pound you spend you get a massive return on that not just in the infrastructure being brilliant but also you know new infrastructure doing its thing and improving the economy and allowing people to move around and mobility and all this stuff but actually in training uh, skilled people uh in in, in also in in paying um people to to do a job they then spend that money in the in kind of the area they're working and so on and so forth um i'm in the green party and i'm pro interested yes yeah, that shows where i've gotten questions i'm miles behind that's from uh, jane emesis thanks jane emesis um in the current designs is there provision for international services to and from birmingham in the north no uh i'm afraid we have to join schengen uh we have to be part of the schengen agreement before that works because uh, there is no space in these new stations, or indeed the current regional stations, to build customs facilities. No space at all. It just isn't that. It'd be hugely expensive to add it. Um, actually, the important thing is to make sure that the exchange between Euston and uh, St Pancras is as smooth as possible. Uh, Crossrail 2 will help with that eventually, but uh, that needs to be improved as much as possible, and, and, and uh, the connection that... So people don't walk along Euston Road, because I walk, walked along Euston Road I've got a nosebleed. It's one of the most polluted parts of the UK. Um, yeah, so more work to be done on that. But a physical connection between High Speed 1 and High Speed 2. Uh, much as I'd love that to be a thing, it doesn't make any sense until we rejoin Schengen, or until we join Schengen, which, given the current political uh, whimsy of this ridiculous nation, it doesn't seem very likely. Uh, right, Let's have a look. Current design, captive trains, why not double deck? is hs2 burn gauge is hs1 burn gauge is a bit of a misnomer really burn gauge is a standardized gauge across europe that hasn't really existed for ages it's kind of the name for an agreement that said let's make sure that railways get sorry gauge by which i mean loading gauge not track gauge track gauge is the distance between the two rails it's standard uh, across most of europe uh loading gauge is the area around actually around the train that you can fit around the track that you can fit the train back and forth through um hs2 actually has its own unique gauge that's based on uh the various european loading gauges um, and it optimizes it slightly we've done some clever stuff to reduce to make a look require a little bit less space but to fit the same train shoes so actually the modeling we've used to create that what we call a, an infrastructure gauge uh, we've improved that um kind of modified it a little bit but yeah any it, if eventually you did build a connection to international trains then yeah any ICs or Um, you know, any of those trains could fit through. In terms of double-decker trains, I think they're a dreadful idea. They're really bad for access. Uh, They don't improve capacity very much, Uh, but some of the proposals for HS2's captive trains do include double-decking, so there's a potential for that, but I'm not a huge fan of double-deck trains. I think they're a bit rubbish. There are some options, some places where they're usefully applied, some places where accessibility things have been fixed, but Um, I think the vast majority of uh, HS2 services will end up running on the existing infrastructure eventually, and so having trains that are double-deck is a nightmare. Uh, Right. Someone thinks they're calling it high-speed 2 is a bad call. So many people pick up the say 20 minutes line. Uh, Yes, I agree with that, but that's it is high-speed 2. We've got high-speed 1, so we have high-speed 2. I don't think the name is the issue. The issue is the terrible communication about what it's for. Uh, And that's only really been fixed recently. HS2 have kind of uh, a few new people, new faces in the comms team that have helped fix that, actually. But uh, they're fighting an uphill struggle. It's like turning an oil tank around. Uh, Yeah, interesting analogy to use. Anyway, uh, yeah, Uh, the communication has been terrible, but call a shovel a shovel. It is a high speed line. And crucially, high speed is what enables HS2 to achieve what it does. If you slowed it down of course you don't get the benefit it becomes just a bypass of the west coast Mainline. you don't get the benefit on the middle of Line up to sheffield and on the east coast Mainline, up to sort of through, you know, peterborough and up to doncaster leeds and newcastle and uh, me here in york as well i just realized that you can see a load of stuff dumped in the corner but don't worry this, this room is a bit of a mess don't worry um uh, do you think that one operator should run on both the hitches in the west coast mainline one i do it apart um yeah, I think that there should be a single intercity operator across the UK, frankly, once hs2 is fully operational, um, and it should run all of the interconnecting services. And then I think that my personal preference is that you then regionalise massively. So you'd have West Midlands-focused uh, services, you have East Midlands-focused services, perhaps combining a little bit, Manchester-focused, Leeds-focused, but you'd have essentially suburban hubs that would have their own railway network. So you'd split Northern in half, for example, you might have a bit of transparent operational of connectivity but for me the optimum situation is that the train operating companies or whatever they end up being called after franchising dies within the next year or two um, is that you have hs2 um, uh, being the backbone of the intercity network um, and then you have uh, with a single train operator and then on the existing railway network you have separate train operators that are running regional railway services Um, and the extent to which you have the interconnectors joining the dots and stopping everywhere. And who runs what is to be decided. You know, it's a very complicated rail map. I can, couldn't do that thinking about it in five minutes answering a question, but that's how I see it. Because then you get much more regionalization. That pleases Tom Forth, uh, because then the regions can really define their own what, what railway they need, um, which is good. I think that's a good thing. Uh, agreed. In capacity in there, yep. Uh, what advantages are gained by having terminal stations? Um, this is something I learned recently. William Barter is fantastic to read on this. I used to think terminal stations were a terrible idea, but actually somewhere you have to have a terminal station. Uh, You need somewhere that you can park your services. So you need a fan area where you park up services that are kind of between going one way, going the other. So actually, if you design the station through it properly, with proper grade separation, you end up with quite a well-optimized system. So Houston, Curzon Street um, are both wonderfully well-optimized railway stations in terms of how they get services in and out um, with minimized dwell times and not conflicting with each other. Uh, the, 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 there's a video that I put on Twitter ages ago of the 3D alignment um, of the 3D alignment for the railway lines coming out of Houston. And it's just uh, before they reach all the common and the way the lines sweep over. Oh, it's just stunning. It's a wonderful bit of optimised operational uh, and uh, infrastructure design. Uh, you can't. There's no point in building a railway if you don't think about how trains are going to run on it. Uh, and OK, segue. So if you, you, every now and then you'll hear people refer to um, High Speed UK's plans. Um, Colin Elliff, who's one of the two people who developed those plans, uh, I have great respect for him and he interviewed me and I, I kind of got onto, into the railway as a result of him giving me the nod, but High Speed UK's plans have been developed by engineers with, as far as I can tell, e- either zero or very little operational input and it shows, frankly. Uh, William Barter could go on for ages explaining why that is. I'd recommend you go and follow him on Twitter because his his explanations and actually his his piece that's in this same issue of uh, Rail, this is issue 897, he's written a really good piece in here that I'd recommend you pick this one up, it's still on shelves, uh, it goes into really good detail about uh, and Firstly, that 18 trains per hour on HS2 is not not particularly unheard of, It's um, it's actually easily achievable. Well, easily, I mean, it's an exaggeration, but you know what I mean, right? What else have we got? Advantages: terminal stations, uh, would building the line without high speed, still off the same capacity as the network. No, it wouldn't. It definitely wouldn't. Uh, can a cost benefit case be uh, currently be made for an extension to Glasgow or Edinburgh? And um, frankly, I don't care about the cost benefit case. Although well, you probably could build it, um, it should happen because you still north of the new lines, you end up with that conflicting, uh, the conflicting slow and fast trains issue again so yes it should be segregated to what ex- given that the traffic does reduce as you get further northwards, scotland to what extent that needs to be a totally new line or for tracking with a bit of separate route for example over beta where you perhaps uh, build a more shallow gradient through a tunnel for the um potentially you'd actually you put use that for freight um, and then put the high speed stuff over the top uh, there are different things you could do but i would reckon yeah it needs to happen i think it should happen um uh, for example, yeah, it's, that's not a crazy suggestion either. The UK Labour Party had it in their manifesto, for example. Uh, yes, yeah, so I think it should happen. Uh, thumbs up. I can't remember what the... This is the problem. I can't remember what the thumbs up was for, but thanks to this hippo tweet for the thumbs up. Um, would it be cheaper if you didn't do high speed? Uh, no. Uh, I think the, the estimate is around about 10% saving, but that's on infrastructure alone. That doesn't account for the fact you'd need um, more rolling stock, which means you'd need more stabling, more maintenance, Uh you know all these things plus uh if you redesigned hs2 you're starting from scratch so you're right back to you you probably set yourself back by another five years uh you have to go through the whole legal process again um we don't have time for that and also speed the speed is what enables it to achieve the capacity release on the west coast mainline and the middle Mainline and the east coast mainline and all the intersecting cross-country routes as well you slow it down you need to build more than one that's really expensive complicated requires lots of engineers uh, hopefully that's clear. Are these answers clear? Am I rambling? I'm probably rambling. That's what I do. Uh, let's see what we've got. Um, so is there a specific reason it's not connected to HS1? Yeah, for Schengen, unfortunately, without Schengen, without being part of the Schengen agreement, there's no point because you don't. There's no space for customs facilities at the regional stations. All the way from Amsterdam to Glasgow would be awesome, wouldn't it? It would really be wonderful. Uh, uh, Avanti, Trenitalia, pointed to run West Coast men on HS2. Yeah, they are, um, but that's only for now. That's only while HS1, uh, sorry, HS2 Phase 1 is operating. After that, things will change. Uh, is there a plan to link up HS1 and HS2? No, no, I'm afraid there isn't. Shaming again. Uh, key comment on the validity of the HS UK proposal. Ah, um, the literary, literature seems very plausible. This is from Bash Runway 3. Um, I'm afraid they're not very plausible at all. Uh, that's because uh, they've been de- de- defined by uh, engineers like me without really consulting any operational experts, so they don't work, and they don't resolve the conflicting traffic issue very well. And they'd require, they'd be much more expensive, they'd take much longer, and they'd be hugely more environmentally damaging. So they're not worth paying any attention to, I'm afraid. Uh, and I know that Colin Quentin would be hugely insulted that I say that, but I'm sorry, it's true, gentlemen. Uh, yeah, but why not two diff- different ones? Oh, sorry, I'm not sure what that's in reference to. Oh, anyway, we'll come back to that. If I uh, Phil, sorry, as far as I know, it isn't, oh, I'll I'm falling behind now. Need to push passengers onto HS2, it's about increasing local capacity. Yeah, so, yeah, all clear, HS1, HS2 link. Yeah, sorry, Schengen, stupid Brits. Yes, we are. Yep. Yeah, no, none offense t- no offence taken. Local capacity increase into Leeds seems small, what's expected. Um... That's not true actually. On several of the lines that connect in through Leeds, you get a capacity increase of between double and triple of the number of current commute peak time seats, so that's massive. Uh, sort of, you know, for example, between Doncaster and, and Leeds at the moment, all the intermediate stations have epoxy, you know, one or two hours, hours uh, services an hour, and they're like 20 minutes apart, and then for they're, they're rubbish. Uh, that line is a perfect example of, of that capacity release. I'm talking about all those. Trains. Uh, in fact, someone shared a brilliant graphic showing the interaction of those services and the huge gap in the timetable. You have to have to allow the fast trains to get through without, uh, you know, the LNER trains to go through without stopping. You just have a huge gap in the timetable. Get rid of those LNER services off onto HS2, and you get much more bunched up services, and they can, and all the trains can stop everywhere. Yes, that means a moderate uh, journey time increase, but the point is you then connect into the hub So overall, for longer journeys, it doesn't matter. You end up with a saving because of the speed of HS2. Um, and in terms of local journeys, it's more important that you can turn up at a station and you don't care when the train is. The reason why we're, every, transport works so well in London is because you turn up for a train and you don't care when, the, you don't have to look at the timetable because it turns up in two, two like in two minutes. When we talk about level, well, when well, people, I don't like this phrase because it's a bit generic, when people talk about levelling up the north, what they really mean is everywhere outside of, H, of, of the M25, uh, you, you have to turn up and you wait for an hour for a train uh, in lots of places, uh, and even in the centre of cities, you have 50 minute frequencies on the on, on some of the really intensely used um, urban lines. It's just rubbish. You should be looking at super high frequencies. Look at what Thamesland can achieve, which is the most high capacity uh, railway in the UK. 40,000 passengers per hour per direction. That's what we should be aiming for in Manchester, Birmingham, Leeds, and actually quite a few of the smaller cities as well. Uh, is the authority facing resistance and shortage of funds in acquiring land for HS2? To be honest, I don't know much about the land acquisition of HS2. Um, it is just, uh, yeah, there's been all sorts of mess. Don't get me wrong, like HS2 as an organisation has just made a right old mess of quite a few things for the last sort of 10 years. Certainly as they've started land position, there's all sorts of, but it's a big government project. Of course, stuff goes wrong because it's big and humans are generally inept and we've made mistakes and we need to learn from it. We need to capture that learning. Um, but all, fundamentally, the problem with a lot of this is because the UK just doesn't bother to invest in infrastructure. And, and even when we do, it's boom and bust. Um, we haven't got the skills base, not just for engineers, but also for commercial experts, um, for uh, you know, project managers, uh, for operational experts, for uh, software developers to get the signaling right. Look at Crossrail. The issue with Boom and Bust is we don't have this skills base just sat waiting in the railway. We have to hook it in from elsewhere because the railway's got so much infrastructure more generally. It's just got such an unstable level of investment. It's hopeless. Uh, if Indy Scotland entered the EU, could international Schengen trains travel through GB non-stop? It's not going to happen. I'd love that to happen, but I just can't imagine the reality of that, of that working. Uh, it's a very good question, yeah. Uh, just a thought experiment. I mean, you, you could, you know, in theory you could, but politically it's just not a reality. Uh, Josh, just Josh, would like to see my map for the rail regions. Maybe that's, maybe that's one for the future. Uh, it could be quite fun. Uh, some full-blown crane easting. Uh, actually, I have been doing that for Network 2050, which is something that's slowed right down because I've been so busy the last year. Um, search hashtag Network 2050 and you'll see some of my early suggestions of that and what those might end up looking like. Uh, same been very clear stories, lovely. Do we know just how much extra capacity HS2 would free up on existing lines? We don't know exactly how much, no, because no one's bothered to model it. We do have lots of examples of where that has been... Uh, we do have some lines where examples have been shown, but those, in my opinion, are quite conservative because they're kind of just based on what the existing timetable looks like. They don't consider, uh, for example, um, the fact that we should be procuring a new rolling stock. You know, it's ridiculous. We have so many short trains running. Um but as a rule of thumb, a lot of the lines approaching the big termini for HS2, you're looking at a doubling or a tripling of capacity. Uh, and you can achieve more if you, then, if you then think about the further future where we're having to do a huge amount of signalling renewals over the next 10, 15 years. By the time HS2 fully opens, you might well have a lot of lines running with ETCS. Um, that isn't a panacea. It doesn't win you capacity at the expense of HS2. But what it does allow you to do is pull trains even closer together. And then you start looking at capacities. Probably much more than doubling or tripling. You're looking at even higher, but um, nobody's bothered to model that because, and I don't have the resources to do it. I've got a day job, I'm afraid. Uh, although I've tried to tease it out of a few people, uh, leads are quite good at that sort of thing. So prod leads, ITS, uh, Transport Scotland. Are preliminary plans to build new HS, high-speed infill north of the border. Yes, they do. Uh, I've seen some of those actually, or seen some of the early sort of. Hmm. Is there any future proofing in HS2 to allow for further expansion? Um, actually, not particularly. There is, in the sense, there's a free train path, it, unless they muck it up with trying to reduce it from 18 trains per hour to 14 trains per hour. Um, there is there is passive provision for one tra- train path. Um, the thing is, HS2, they, and this sort of reinforces the point that HS2 isn't about capacity on HS2; it's about capacity elsewhere. In having 18 um, trains per hour, you have a capacity of nearly 20,000 passengers per hour per direction, which is like 50% more than the East Coast Mainline, Midland Mainline and uh, West Coast Mainline combined. So um, that's a huge leaping capacity over the current long-distance travel. And I agree with the Greens that we need to, this isn't about growth for growth, when We shouldn't be increasing the amount of long-distance travel. So that, in my opinion, is easily enough to accommodate um, modal shift for long-distance travellers. Um, so long as you back it up by taking those the, the commuters who currently use long-distance travellers out and, and put them onto the existing, keep them on the existing network, I think there's enough capacity in hs2 for the future given that we need to not be growing and growing and growing we need to manage modal sh- shift uh, so moving people away from flights and cars um other people might have a different view of that good god the messages have expanded and exploded there have a few trolls have appeared as well hello the lovely trolls how's hs2 financed oh god oh, i'll skip that one uh, google it i, I could try and explain it i'll do a terrible job i'll stick to i'll stick to the engineering and the ideas stuff um sorry adam it's a good question and uh, maybe one for a threat, but it's it's borrowed against future gilts, which have a 60-year a return period. Anyway, ugh, I'm swimming out into deep water at that point. When do you think we'll hear an announcement on, for HS2? This week. Why is the national media so against HS2? Because they're all right-wing, and they hate investing in infrastructure, because infrastructure is for people. Uh, and the right-wing media hate people. That's not all media. Actually, even The Times today published a fairly sensible piece on it, but you will find there's a general... Th- I mean, if you look at the ownership of our, the, the, the vast majority of the print media, you'll see that it does face a certain direction. And that direction does not like investing in uh, infrastructure for people. Thoughts about Combined Network with Northern Powerhouse Rail? Uh, thanks, David Powell. Uh, love to see you here. Uh, sorry you asked the question about 15 minutes ago or something now, don't you? But I'm getting behind. What is the time? 1834 already? Yes. Uh, I think HS2 Phase 2B will be paused and integrated with Northern Powerhouse Rail, which is a good thing so long as they don't forget the East Midlands. Fake accent, okay, fine, thanks for that. Here they are planning on a national 7.5 minute frequency in the Netherlands between main cities. Yeah, exactly, absolutely. Uh, 7.5 minute frequencies are are pretty good actually and mm, everywhere outside the M25 would benefit greatly from that level of frequency. Would something like that be available in Britain? Uh, It should be, you look at uh, the 90 second headways on Thameslink, they're absolutely stunning. Will HS2 use the RTMS? Uh, That's the European Rail Traffic Management System which is coupled with ETCS which is the European Train Control System. Yes, it will even though we have brexited uh, it would be, it'd be completely daft for us to develop a new system because you'd have to pay to develop it. It's nonsense, we'll, we'll use that system. Is provision built into construction plans to mitigate the climate change impacts? Uh, there's a very good report by uh, at safemith on Twitter uh, who goes into those details. HS2 are doing their very level best to reduce the carbon emissions from construction. Uh, could HS2 provide enough capacity to completely replace domestic aviation? Uh, apart from the fringes in, on the islands, uh, yes. Um, How much demolition work has started around around Euston? A fair amount, yeah, Uh, I mean there's some really good aerial shots, they've wiped out a lot of stuff in readiness, I mean the project needs to, when we talk about shovel ready, actually we're beyond shovel ready, the shovels have already dug into the ground, we're doing ground remediation works already in Curzon Street, uh, in the area around Curzon Street in Birmingham, the new station there, and around Euston. Uh, question would you support a day of national mourning for the retirement of scrapping oh it's pacer commander hello pacer commander would i support a day of national mourning for the retirement of scrapping the pacers no what i'd suggest is a bonfire of celebration for scrapping the pace so you're gonna be you're gonna hate me and be really angry uh no the pacers uh would highland chieftain aberdeen services be transferred to hs2 um yeah actually that that Currently, it's not proposed. It's proposed that they'd exchange uh, at um, that exchange at Edinburgh or Glasgow. I have two minds about that. Actually, I think it, ex- changing trains isn't something we should be afraid of. People do it all the time in London because the service frequency is good enough. My preference, actually, would be to run um, is to start running more frequent services that stop everywhere with electrified, fully electrified trains north of the Central Belt, so they stop everywhere and they run frequently. Journey if you electrify journey to, and do lots of journey time improvements, you'd you'd not gain you'd not see an increase in journey times, but you'd see a massive increase in the benefits as places like Lawrence Kirk and I don't know uh, uh, Dunkeld and Burnham uh, that would have be, that, that would essentially. So my preference is that on the existing network as much as possible we homogenise so that's make the services look the same. Um, so it, it could it could happen, uh, but my preference actually is that it isn't. It, it wouldn't be uh a scottish government so electrification goals by 2030 have achieved uh am i a feminist yes uh, how would freight travel combine in the stopper service on the current main lines it's a very good question um actually freight if you flight freight so what i mean by that is don't pull it over into into passing loops you just keep the freight moving um, and that, generally with modern freight you're getting you're moving away from you know the coal um, there is an, a reasonably kind of stability and increase in some bulk uh, good uh, movements, but actually the, the, the growth market in freight is intermodal, generally intermodal. So that's um, light stuff, that's stuff for supermarkets as well, um, all that good stuff. That can travel at high, higher speeds, so actually a good thing would be to continue to enhance, uh, do research into running reliably faster uh, freight services for those vehicles. And indeed, if we start using some of the HSTs as freight vehicles, which is, which a couple of people have suggested, that would be improved even further. Um what you want to do with those is flight them, so they so you're running the fast frequent services and stopping them everywhere you need to have the the freight needs to again needs to be slotted within that and don't get me wrong that's a challenge, but freight fits better amongst stopping services so if you've got freight that's running at sixty or seventy five miles an hour and you've got hundred and twenty five mile an hour stopping services that's a lot easier to fit together than um, stopping services and freight, and then non-stop fast services, because the non-stop fast services that wreck your timetable and make load, require loads of empty space. Hence why HS1, sorry, <laughs> I'm getting tired. Hence why HS1 is uh, HS2. 38 minutes in and I'm already getting confused. HS2 um, is will not run freight and shouldn't run freight. Um, it's all about clearing up those, uh, getting rid of those fast services off the existing mainline. Right, let's have a look. Uh, do, 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 do. Uh, how many cities and regions not served by HS2 benefit from it? E.g., Bristol and the Southwest. Another good question. Bristol and the Southwest will benefit, for example, by the release capacity uh, at New Street. So that allows more uh, connectivity through towards Bur- uh, towards Bristol and the Southwest. Um, potentially, also you alleviate some capacity issues by um, running down into HS2 on HS2 into Euston. Into, uh, uh, or into Old Oak Common, rather, and then changing Old Oak Common onto uh, intercity services into Bristol. And that can be quicker than the current cross-country route, which is quite weavy. By doing so, you might well then get benefits around Gloucester by taking those intercity services off, out of the, off that main line and allowing them to just be running local services at higher frequencies, and then ha- using the uh, massive enhancements that have happened on the Great Western, uh, Western Main Line. Actually, that you stop using cross-country services, you start running into all the common, and then getting HS two without seeing any hit to your journey t- uh, time, um, and, a, and an increase in frequency. Actually, uh, so there are actually substantial potential benefits for for Bristol uh, and that, and, the, and the region. Uh, those obviously haven't been quantified by anyone because no one's bothered to think about that sort of wonderful stuff. National bonfire, Sir Andrew. here, yeah, sorry, uh, sorry, please command. Any idea when they'll spark up Dundee and Perth? Uh, <laughs> pass. Uh, Electrification has paused a bit in Scotland, hasn't it? Um, I'm afraid, but hopefully that'll reverse. Right, I'm going to go on to Twitter and see because lots of people occasionally ask questions on Twitter without realising that I can't see them. So let's have a look. Um, Thanks for through. That's very nice. Thanks, Michael Batman. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, that's all right. I'm still going. Uh, happy days. Any other questions? Let's have a look. Oh, yeah, I've caught up with questions somehow. Uh, there we go. Is this all right? Is it fairly? Is it reasonably? Um, if I do that, is it? Oh, that's horrible, isn't it? Let's not do that. I've got a light. i can shine it in my in my face. Oh, let's not do that. Uh, this is all nice and clear. Um, I think everyone can see. How, sorry, I've answered a lot of questions there. Hopefully, that's uh, that's useful. I'm gonna I'm gonna hang around until seven because I can. Um, how do I envisage Euston Underground coping with this influx of extra passengers to be honest this is why we need Crossrail 2 um, we need to be able to move people uh, in that sort of uh, weirdly Crossrail 2 was, was the, um, the line that had the best I mean I hate them anyway but it had the best benefit cost ratio of the three major railway upgrades that have happened subterranean railway upgrades that have happened in London uh, the first being the weakest having the weakest case which was the Jubilee line extension Crossrail Crossrail being the uh, the Cross London Railway, being the one that had kind of a middling um, kind of benefit cost ratio, and then the and then Crossrail uh, Crossrail Two or the Chelsea Hackney Line was the one that everyone expected to happen first. Uh, but that line is super, is incredibly important for getting people out from the east of London, kind of the the actually it was this direction isn't it for you guys um, out from one side of London, shall we say, through and south to like the Waterloo area. So there's a huge amount of work required to um, to improve, yeah. So the, the Northern Line and, and all these different lines is uh, uh, they're, they're going to people need to travel on them. London will continue to have more people travelling by public transport, but London has a s- s- reasonably long. London's got enough capacity in its system to benefit from kind of um, more uh, assertive measures to reduce car usage, like ultra-low emission zones. Whereas the rest of the UK doesn't have that capacity, um, and so we need to be seeing. Uh, Investment within London, but also we need local transport systems to be getting investment, uh, particularly in cities, Birmingham, Manchester, Leeds, um, Liverpool, Uh, these major cities, and Bristol, of course, uh, these major cities require, it's ridiculous that these cities don't have proper underground systems, let alone trams and and, uh, Leeds. It should have several metro lines, let alone, you know, not even having a single rapid transit system, it's just bonkers. Uh, right, here we go. Uh, do HS2 trains use three times as much energy as standard in city trains? One claim uh, Martin, yes. Um, no, they do not. That's nonsense. Uh, it's based on uh, using the laws of physics and just going, oh, if it goes faster, it uses more energy. Um, the reality is that uh, these trains, firstly, they're newer trains, so they use less energy anyway because they're more sleek and efficient. Secondly, they have much higher capacity uh, internally. So, you know, the HS2 trains are expected to have a capacity of around about 1,100 compared to about 400 on in, a typical city train. So um, so actually, you're, you're reducing the energy consumption per seat. So, yeah, it's a nonsense claim. It's just a load of rubbish. Um, uh, slightly tangential, do you have an opinion on hydrogen as a means to electrify rail versus overhead? Uh, yeah, if only at the very extreme ends of our railway system... Uh, should we be using hydrogen if you're running more than six trains an hour in one direction or you have a speeds of 100 miles an hour or more, absolute by default it should be electrified conventionally and then you've got a load of gray area ones where you're connecting things those and kind of within the network and you just have an island of unelectrified railway those should also be fully overhead electrified only lines like the west Highland line uh and you know uh some of the southwestern branches you know maybe the target line for example you wouldn't electrify um or at least you wouldn't prioritize electrification of those lines but uh conventional electrification is by far the best way to go because you have a much cheaper um railway system much more reliable railway system much lighter trains so on and so forth uh david powell is pointing out that hs3 is northern powerhouse rail yeah i try i hate the name northern powerhouse rail because it's a gimmick name invented by george osborne but a lot of people use it, so I try, you know, I try to use what people describe it as. But it's high speed three; it's the third separate, distinct high speed rail project in the UK, uh, or at least it is since the, you know, the two thousands. Because the Selby diversion was the first high speed line in the UK, but that's for another live railways explained thread, right? Uh, will high speed trains be able to switch away from HS2 for engineering works? Um, that depends on how many connections into the existing railway network we get. So, um, HS2 is being designed as a almost 100 percent reliable railway so you build it and you walk away um it will have certain closure periods but it will be designed in such a way that you don't need to close it for engineering works that's the advantage of a new railway system is that you can design it such that and it's not gold plating it this is this is making the consideration that um uh railways uh you know all railways are hugely unreliable because we have to spend so much time plastering them up and fixing them and Screwing up bolts that fall to bits and xyz and all these different things uh hs2 you have the benefit of designing it to be good from absolutely brilliant from the offset it's not gold plating it's reducing it's a, reducing you know not least reducing the carbon footprint because the traveling that people have to do to get to ma- and maintain the railway um you look at network rails uh foot kind of carbon footprint a huge huge amount of that is from people like me driving to site to to, to survey and do things uh because we've got a load of kit that we can't have haul on the train or the last train is x and y so a lot of us travelling to and also because stations are usually miles away from often miles away from where things have gone wrong um, uh, or battery uh, batteries are he- hydrogen and batteries are really heavy and do not yeah hashtag not plating. good stuff thanks sir uh, david um, hydrogen and battery and there's a really good little mini blog that i took from that david Shures had written um that's on the permanent rail engineer website but actually you can search rail rail engineer hydrogen and he wrote a really nice long read on why hydrogen uh, has limited applications. Uh, is there an encourage- any encouragement to getting logistics companies onto rail? Uh, not by the current government, particularly. There are lots of really good efforts that the industry is pushing, but we're kind of hum- hamstrung by the lack of any strategic planning at government level. Uh, would you support the wiring of the line from Hull to Doncaster Leeds? Absolutely. That line should be fully electrified. Um, for the half the time, it tries to people. Uh, oh, that's, sorry, that's someone else answering questions. Thanks, uh, thanks for that. How much wider a footprint will HS2 have from HS1 in Kent? Oh gosh, Pedro J. UK. Uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember, but it's not. It's not dissimilar, to be honest. Um, people seem to make a huge fuss about the massive differences in, in footprint between. Uh, or, in fact, they suggest HS1 has a colossal footprint. No, they don't. Uh, high-speed rail, railway lines have a pretty narrow footprint. Um, uh, no matter whether you look, you know how you look at it. Uh, you consider that the, the HS2 will have a capacity of 20,000 passengers per hour per direction. Um, the M1 next to it will have a capacity, at best, uh, of maybe a quarter of that. So, the so to, you know, to get the benefit of, you know, to, to match that capacity, you'd have to, to build a colossally wide motorway. So, uh, no, I don't, the, the to answer your question, I've no idea, Google it. Uh, but it's not that much wider. Uh, and I think, you know, the extra width that the Certainly in terms of the six foot, so that's the distance between the two tracks, there's no particular difference. In fact, we've been optimising that, reducing it slightly in a few places to, uh, to further minimise that overall footprint. Um, of course, you never hear about all the value engineering work that goes on in the background, some of which I have actually worked on myself, um, to bring costs down, which is why when I hear cost escalation, I always get very surprised, because all of what I've seen is just costs being saved and saved from value engineering. It's what happens to detailed design, it's just inherent. You save a lot of costs. And... Um, often it's contractor risk-based stuff that increases the price rather than the actual engineering itself. Um, is there any aspect of HS2 being able to provide high-speed, low-carbon freight services? Um, HS2 already has a massive annual tonnage. So that's, the amount of traffic running on it every year is huge. So, And it's designed to be absolutely optimised for passenger vehicles, lightweight passenger vehicles. So I'd strongly protest any um, freight running on that railway system. Uh the point is that the existing railway network has where all the depots and terminals and all this sort of freight stuff is already wired into. The existing railway network gets that massive capacity release uh, and you can start running more freight as well. So that's the benefit really is on the existing network. Um, uh, right. Uh, oh, someone, something that about replies. Let's go in. So let's go in here. Someone, uh, forgive me for pushing this, but the, in the plans there is a link to hS1 HS1 and HS2. This beca- um, that link is like a slow speed link and I think maybe that's doesn't exist anyway anymore. I can't remember exactly, actually. Uh, but I think it's been excluded entirely. Oh yeah, that link portal. Yeah, no, that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, Josh, just Josh, that's been removed from the plans. It doesn't exist. That's an old map you're looking at, I think, there. Uh, Periscope won't let me log in. Oh, David, get, get, get involved. Uh, some thumbs up from people. Good, right. Uh, where was I? I've fallen hopelessly behind, and I've got uh, only got 10 minutes left, because I think more than an hour would be completely nuts. Uh, no gold plating, yep. Is there any aspect? Of it, yeah, da, 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 ever see a return of motor rail? No, we won't. Uh, not enough space in cities for it to, to ever return, I'm afraid, much as I'd love it to. Um, but it's better that we encourage the use of of, um, of hire vehicles, uh, actually. Uh, hire vehicles are actually brilliant. A, you don't have to own a car that doesn't do anything for ages. It minimises the amount of materials we have to waste building cars, so I'm, I'm all for people hiring cars at the end of their journeys. So, more of that, please. Capture trains double deck. I'll answer the question already, 54 North. Is this the way to Amarillo? It might be. Stupid question. Nope, there's never a stupid question. Would it be possible to link up some modal freight to stopper services so it could be transported more easily? Uh, there are discussions about this sort of thing, actually. And there are also discussions about micro-intermodal freight, where you only have maybe a few wagons being transported. Um, those are all really tricky when you a complex railway network, busy, year, you know, all this mixture of traffic, once you start homogenizing things, uh, actually that, those sorts of clever experiments and optimizing the way that you move freight around become possible. Uh, is there an HS4? Does it lead to HS2? There is no HS4 as far as I've heard. Um, I mean, where would it be? I don't know, probably from, I, I, I dare say from um, Cardiff through to Bristol and then up to Birmingham, if there was going to be one, that's probably where I'd stick it. Uh, or, or my other proposal for high speed segregation, which is sort of b- a bit like building a Trent Valley bypass, which is for the East Coast main as primary kind of the fast lines, if you like, to be diverted via Teesside to connect up that huge city and potential growth opportunity for new housing, for example, um, to go uh, round through and then back up. And actually, you end up with it, it being faster than it currently weaving through um, north of Darlington. It gets a bit, uh, sorry, north of Nathaltown. Uh, it gets a bit weavy. Uh, is my tea cold yet? That's uh, kind of. I didn't. I, I'm having a lady grey because I quite fancied something that didn't have milk in it, so it's not cooled down quite as quickly. No a technical answer for you, David. Uh, Heathrow Gatwick apparently. Uh, not sure what that's in reference to. Uh, people often ask me about the connection. Why HS2 doesn't connect to Heathrow? It does. All the common station will have a Crossrail stop, and Crossrail will be really quick to get you to Heathrow. Um, Oh, is that the end? Have I, up? have I caught up with all the questions? That's incredible. Let's have a look. Uh, no, maybe. Uh, yeah, it's just all right, actually. Seems to be uh, seems to be intact. Sorry. Ah, wouldn't it, a high-speed version of the M25 be good for getting people to bypass London? Um, actually, this has been talked about quite a lot, and, and there is a... I mean, East-West Rail generally will provide that facility in the uh, East-West Rail, which, for crying out loud, should have been electrified for me off. Don't get me started on that. The idea of building a new railway, let alone a 125-mile-an-hour one that doesn't just automatically have electrification, is just baffling to me, absolutely baffling. Um, East-West Rail, once it runs around from between Cambridge and Oxford, will do a really good job of that. Um, But in terms of connections in the south, um, yeah, uh, it's always good to increase connectivity. You just have to assess that project on the basis of how how valuable that would be versus, um, for example, building, you know, tunnelling through Manchester or Birmingham both, uh, the Castlefield Corridor, which a lot of people talk about, and it's like singularly responsible for much of the disruption on Northern and Transpennine at the moment. Um, that's, that, that route has been needing upgrades for decades, and Picvic, the Pickvic Tunnel, which you can Google, uh, yeah, get and Google it, um, was one of the ways to solve that, and basically we've tried we've skirted around the edges and avoided, avoided building it we did the entire MetroLink system which is brilliant but it's not a replacement for heavy rail it's a light rail system that's absolutely superb for density within the city center but actually you need to have that the higher speed higher uh, frequency kind of higher capacity metro heavy rail metro system um and it should tunnel on manchester the reason why crossrail and my Thameslink have such high capacities is because they don't have to deal with really big um busy weavy um sort of station throats there's just two platforms for every single station through the core which means that a train arrives people get on and off it 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 clears it off and another one arrives almost on its tail and you can just conveyor belt people and trains through and so you get this immense capacity um that's uh, that's something that we need to emulate elsewhere and for me the two key ones that jump out are the cross city line in birmingham and uh the, the connect the castle corridor in manchester do 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 Twitter post for the part of me real yeah south of the M25 it does sort of exist Reading Tunbridge but it needs electrifying it needs electrifying with overheads actually as well um, oh HS4 Air yeah that's a that's a that's a kind of a brand name that hasn't really kicked off yet it's sort of up in the air it doesn't really uh, properly exist cheers David um, if we've got five minutes left um, I will stick this on YouTube later hopefully it'll answer some questions it's very waffly and rattly, rattly on isn't it Let's see. Uh, yes, I will stick this on YouTube later, uh, David. Uh, hi, Graf I live in Kidderminster, so I currently have a direct line to London on Chiltern Railways. Ah. Hi, Jane. Um, yes. Will that survive if HS2 is launched? Uh, currently, yeah. There, there are no plans to alter the Chiltern line um, operation. Actually, Chiltern Railways do kind of run as a bit of a um, high-speed stopping service already. My preference would always be that you end up procuring electric train you, that line needs electrifying for stars And um, my preference always be that you procure electric trains that can run up to 125 miles an hour but they stop everywhere um because then you can bunch your services up much more closely together so even though perhaps your journey time doesn't improve or maybe it even gets a little bit longer you don't have to plan your day around an hourly service or even an hour a service every kind of half hour if your trains are running every 10 minutes or less seven and a half minutes or even more frequently than that um you do save time in your day by not having to plan your day around an it more infrequent service so I think we need to change our mindset about journey times being key because for most passengers, it's more about reliability, getting a seat, um, and, uh, not having to plan your day around trains. Those are the three key things. And actually journey time sp- specifically isn't, um, isn't the main driver of, of journeys. Um, so I, so you'd still, so even on the West Coast Main Line, you wouldn't lose your direct, I don't, I'm not proposing that people would lose their direct London service. It's just the, 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 the train would stop everywhere, um, on the, on the line. Um, but I realise that sounds quite radical and it might upset a few people, but the, that, you, if you get a colossal leap in capacity and in service frequency, I think that benefits people, particularly if it means that you can move to other places outside of the big hubs. You can live somewhere that's a little more um, uh, you know, more accessible for other things or maybe close to family if your local station has a train every you know, 15 minutes rather than every two hours. Uh, what do you think about the AV network? Yes, great. Uh, any sense of where servicing of uh, HS2 will be? New Railway Employment Centre. Uh, there's one in Leeds going in, isn't there? There's a massive um, HS2 uh, service, kind of uh, rolling stock servicing depot going in Leeds. Where's the other one? Is it uh, in... It's probably in London somewhere, isn't it? Is it maybe uh, near Old Oak Common, perhaps, that they'll have the rolling stock depot? I can't remember off the top of my head. Funnily, I really ought to memorise, like, exactly what the layout of HS2 is, but um, actually, my my... My role isn't so much to know the ins and outs of the design perfectly, from top to bottom. Uh, it's more to kind of make the case for what, why it's so important, why high speed segregation is so important. Uh, any more questions? We've got three minutes left, we're getting close to finishing time. My tea is like mod cold. Um hopefully some people recognise this lovely, lovely railway poster. Uh, uh, oh yeah, LMS, um, oh yeah, marvellous. Um, I don't need the tonic to come away for it, it's probably for the best because it's dinner time um cool thanks david i might do i mean depending on how horrifying this was and oh just see myself waving a mug around in the screen over there oh, don't, i won't do that again um hopefully this was useful um i always enjoy Q and A sessions uh they're, they're they're kind of much easier to i, I like that engagement it's really nice uh, particularly the people who accuse me of having a fake accent um my accent's a mess uh, my dad's from north devon my mum's welsh i grew up in inverurie you know i'm just you know um, I'm a car- cartoon hate figure for the Stop HS2 movement. Why is that? Oh, let's end on that, That shall we? Um, because, I hope, it's because I've communicated far better to a lot more people what the whole point of the railway line is. Um, I hope that's why I'm a hate figure because I've succeeded in converting a lot more people than um, the previous comms team in HS2 ever managed to. Uh, oh, go on. Another question. Should they like to have a line from Cardiff and Birmingham? Absolutely, they should. Um, pretty much every main line uh, needs to be electrified if it's a two-track railway chances are it needs fully electric- electrifying all the commercial speed be on HS2 most of the trains are run at about 30, uh, 330 kilometres an hour um, and occasionally they'll run at 360 um, to just kind of catch up if there's a bit of delay or whatever it is um, or at peak times to, to move trains around more quickly um, cool uh, let's see very useful thanks very much indeed yeah 360 is the kind of maximum speed but actually most trains are run at 330 kilometres an hour and Thanks, Martin. Yeah, hopefully I had a few converts. Yeah, 225 miles an hour is 360 kilometers an hour. Um, But actually, most of the trains are run at 330. Uh, Right, okay. 1859. I'll keep this to an hour. Everyone, that's been really brilliant. Um, I've enjoyed it. Hopefully, some useful kind of answers to that. Um, Have a nice rest of the day. And I will maybe do another one of these soon. Cheerio!